Are you ready? I am ready. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Draft Politics, episode 38. Uh, I'm Steve, and with me here, as always, it's EJ. I've got a beer, and I'm ready to talk about a feisty debate and a parade of criminals. That's right. Uh, yeah, no, we've got a... Well, no, are they formal criminals now? Or, I mean, they've been, you know, they've been, they haven't been exonerated. They haven't, they're no. still criminals, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Commutation is not, uh, yeah. is not expungement. But anyhow. The Partonpalooza. Well, do we want to start the Partonpalooza or do we want to talk about Roger Stone first? I mean, I always The future Partonpalooza. Yeah, I know. It's, a, it's foreshadowing. I always want to talk about evil Mr. Peanut. Okay. I mean... I mean, I think last week we, we had the discussion about the sentencing recommendation coming in. And we talked tr- at length about yeah. the Nixon tattoo, mm-hmm. whether it was appropriate to do the teardrop on Nixon himself or on your own face. Right. Uh, I actually have done some research on that oh, good. since then. Thank yeah. you. Uh, and it's both. Okay, it turns well. Out. All right. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't make the rules. To, to your taste. Again, yeah. I don't make the rules. Uh, so Trump tweeted, bar overruled the, his prosecutors. Those prosecutors then promptly quit, as they should. Uh, the judge said that she wanted to have an emergency conference with people. She canceled that. Sentencing came down today. So the federal guidelines were something in the lots and lots of years. The original recommendation was, you know, around nine years. Yeah. The... Trump tweet adjusted recommendation was four years and he ended up getting 40 months. Yeah. And in the process, the judge, you know, gave him the usual lecturing because he's a bad guy uh, and said that the truth still matters. Uh, So I I don't know. It's funny because I feel like from the way she sentenced him that she felt like she was, you know, throwing the book at him a little bit, but it seems like it's on the lighter end of what he should have been sentenced to. Yeah, right. And, and especially when she said, you're not sticking up for the president, you're covering up for him. Right. I mean, there was some, like, you know, sort of biting rhetoric. And you thought, like, if you had seen all that, you'd be like, oh, my word, he is going away forever. So maybe her strategy here was thinking if she went too harsh on the sentence, right. that Trump would immediately pardon him. But if she's like, nah, I'm going to throw him in his 40 months, I'm going to throw him in there for a little under four years or a little over three years, depending how you look at it. Maybe he'll actually serve some time. We'll find out. Okay, we will find out. (laughs) Uh, I assume that his wife will soon be on Fox News every other day. Of course. Pleading for him. He just needs to be in prison long enough to get the two tattoos. That's right. Now, will he get... Here's a question, though. So we talked about the teardrop tattoos. Yeah. Will he get a Trump tattoo to match the Nixon tattoo? I mean, I feel like it would be thematically appropriate. I think that he has to offer to get the tattoo to get the pardon. Ah, there we go. Art of the deal. I like it. No, that's good thinking. Art of the deal. That's why he didn't get it already. He knew that was going to be his get-out-of-jail-free card. Yeah, you don't want to give up that kind of leverage. Yeah, there you go. Okay. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna do that. I yep. think he'll. 
Um, put so it out there. Did we, do we know when Roger Stone's actually supposed to go to jail? Is he already in jail? I, like, I, I don't know some, when he's supposed to go right. to jail. I, I hope it's soon. I, I, hope, I hope he serves a good long sentence, but we'll see. I mean, uh, speaking of people who I th- wished would serve a long sentence, one of our favorite Illinois governors, our f***ing golden governor, Rod Blagojevich, has been pardoned. No, he's been his sentence has commuted, been commuted. Commuted, you know. And there's a big difference. Is there? There is a big difference. He can't. I don't believe he can run for office. <laughs> you know. You don't don't you know, think he wouldn't like, try. Well, you know, the thing of it is, like, you know, if you go back like 20 years in Chicago history, and he comes out and was fully pardoned and could run for office, would he do it? Yes. Would he have a chance of winning? I yes. feel like the answer is yes. <laughs> These days, I feel like eh, not, not as much. 50-50. Yes. Best. Uh, uh, so, no, his sentence was commuted from 14 years down to, I mean, he served over eight years. I was going to say eight years in prison is no picnic, but he did come out with the best hair I've ever seen of any prisoner come out of prison. Right. Uh, let, let, let's be honest. <laughs> he goes in with his perfectly quaffed blonde hair, blondish, yeah. brownish hair. He comes out with perfectly coiffed, totally white hair. I mean, it was amazing. It was like all of his hair just changed color while he's in prison. Yeah, and it's it was amazing. And I think we we'll talk about him a little more in the Chicago section. But uh, he he got out. Yeah, and it was a bit of a circus around where he lives. Uh, I actually live used to live not too far from where he lives, um, and a friend of mine who lives near there was talking about there being helicopters and news vans yes. and. And, of course, then he had to talk to a camera because he loves to talk no, to a camera. But the day his sentence was commuted, before he was out of jail, there was a helicopter above his house because I, too, live within a mile of his house. Yes. There was a helicopter up there all day. Like, first of all, guys, you've got plenty of B-roll of, you know, <laughs> uh, you know of that neighborhood. Also, all the other networks are all going to get the exact same footage the exact same time you do. So you're not getting ahead of right. this. Just, just, just have one guy stand by his house, ready to text you to say he's here now. Drive right. on over. Well, you didn't need Good to do to that go. because there was tweeting from the flight on the way back. So oh, well, there you go then. I see. You know, see, I feel there's all these connections between Trump and Bogoyevich. First of all, there's a hair thing going on. Yeah. Um, I at one point had the theory that that's actually an alien-like being that's controlling their minds. I might be wrong on that, but. There's a hair thing. Not disproved, however. Not disproved. There's the tweeting. There's the just general narcissism. There's the rampant corruption. Like, these people, they are, they are kindred spirits. They are. And I, I really do want to talk about it more, but I want to talk about it in the Chicago thing. Yes. I want to get into it there. Yes. I'm, I'm just... All right, we'll hold off. near and we'll dear to my to heart. But he has been commuted. He has been commuted. Uh, and he's commuted back to, uh, back to his home All in right. Ravenswood Manor. Yep. Uh, next up, Michael Milken. Who, a name I had long forgotten about. I mean, but <laughs> Michael Milken is a guy who was, he was in the original Trivial Pursuit. Yes. As a white-collar criminal. Like, that, was, that tells you when he came out. He's like the Pete Rose of white-collar criminals just waiting for somebody. Yes. He's rich. He's corrupt. He's from New York City. 
you know, once again, kindred spirits. Like, kindred this is spirits. clearly on brand for Trump. Yeah, and he was convicted of securities fraud and, and whatnot, which, let's be honest, is kind of amazing that anybody's convicted of that sort of thing. Back in the days when we had all that regulation during the Reagan years, I mean, yeah, insane. But Michael Milken, like, I thought I'd never hear about him again. But when I did hear about him getting, uh, you know, getting pardoned, I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. This is why yeah. I would hear oh, about yeah. him again. And, and then, then, yeah, finally got Bernie Carrick, uh, <laughs> former New York City police commissioner. Once again, New York overlap, who was in prison for tax fraud, corruption, taxes. You know, once again, a familiar, friendly person for yeah. Donald Trump. And he was the original head of the Department of Homeland Security, wasn't yes. he? Yes. Yes, he was. Um, and he also looks like one of the characters in Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean... I forget the character name, but yes. Yes. And Bald Bull. Anyway. Oh, so yes. He, he is a guy who, you know, in good New York style, was taking money from everybody and not reporting any, any gifts, any income. I mean, and just brazenly. He wasn't hiding it. And that's always the thing. Maybe that's the thing that sort of connects all these people. Like, well, of course I'm going to do this. New York, white-collar crime, brazen corruption. These are his people. These are his, you know, <laughs> it is his true. community. It is true. And there were some other people on that list. Uh, former owner of the San Francisco 49ers. Old white guy. Yes. Uh, another guy whose family, and I'm sure this was a coincidence, donated $200,000 to uh, the re-election <laughs> committee last year. You know, this is one of those things where it's really an untouchable power. Yeah. Uh, and I heard it's, somebody refer to it as the president's magic wand. It's kind of an insane thing that we give the president that power. I mean, I, I kind of get it. Like, I see scenarios where, like, okay, under certain circumstances— Maybe you're going outside the law because something had to be done at that moment for national security reasons, whatever. But, but dear Lord, it's ripe for abuse. Yes. And, but, and here's the other thing. And the way you know it's ripe for abuse is that first-term presidents almost never do this kind of thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, they'll do the, like, uh, you know, he did commute the sentence of uh, a woman from Philadelphia who had been in prison for... A drug conviction when it was like her son was selling drugs out of her house and she didn't know about it. And she was arrested and had been in jail for a while. And it was a terrible story. And Kim Kardashian yeah, brought it to Yeah, I was going to say, him. like, didn't somebody very famous lobby him on this? Yeah. yeah. And, and look, I don't care how he found out about it. That was a good thing. It was a, it was a good thing. And that's the kind of thing a first-term president can do. But the sort of flunky yeah. commutation pardoning, that usually doesn't happen until president's on the way out. Like, yeah. deuces, these yeah. guys are out of jail. Scooter Libby. He, he does not give a fuck. That, no. is, that is what we're saying. I, I, zero I'm going to be using given. the bleep liberally in this one. I figure with Blagojevich, I'm going to need it. So uh, It's on brand. Yes. It is on brand. So the big question is, when is Roger Stone get his pardon? Um, 
you know, I feel like a lot of this is setting up for, hey, I'm just pardoning people. He just happens to be on my list right now. Yeah, I think he pardons him soon. Yeah. I think Roger Stone spends four days in jail, gets pardoned. Okay. Uh, because he wants Roger Stone's help in the election. Very good point. I mean, I think he just goes yeah. right back to... like, back to work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> So the other part of this, you know, sort of intertwined here in the king rat moment was William Barr doing an interview where he's like, man, you know who I can't stand? It's that President Trump. Yeah. Keeps tweeting about my cases and I don't like it. He should stop that. And if he doesn't, I'm going to quit. It's impossible to do my job. (laughs) So far, he has not quit, as it turns out. And I can only assume that his job is to silently cover up crimes. Yeah. And therefore, it's hard to cover them up when somebody's announcing them. Um, I personally think this whole, like, Trump bar spat is completely for the cameras. It's a reality show. Yep. He's not going anywhere. Yes. So that takes us... Out of the national news, I don't really think there was anything else major I, going on this week. I, the only other thing that I wanted to bring up, and I, yeah. you know, I want to keep talking about this kind of topic as we move towards the election, um, is sort of the ongoing battle about who's allowed to vote and who isn't. So Florida passed a, an amendment to their constitution by referendum saying that f- felons who had completed their sentence could vote. Then the Florida legislature, which is overwhelmingly Republican, and the governor, Ron Build the Wall DeSantis. Who is overwhelmingly Republican. He is. Uh, They passed a law that said, well, yeah, yeah, I know that's what we said in that amendment, but actually you've got to pay all fines, fees, costs, and anything else we make up before you can vote. Which sounds an awful lot like a poll tax, if you're looking at it. Right. But... Yeah, so uh, there was a court ruling on this, uh, and the federal court has now overturned what the Florida legislature did, which means that felons who have now left prison, who have not paid their fines, can vote. Right. Well, and I, I think it's, you know, so there was an original case at the state level that struck it down, or no, it was a federal case that struck it down, then a state court sort of upheld it, saying the federal government didn't have standing here and then the federal appeals court has said now, yeah we do <laughs> we do um so it'll be appealed again and wouldn't you know the republican the Re- the republican party and a and the trump re-election campaign has started a 10 million dollar fund to fund cases to suppress voters really weird i'm I, surprised surprising <laughs> surprising well, and what I expect you'll find is that whatever they can do legally will all try to play out around late October. So they can just be like, well, what can you do? It's still in the courts. Womp, womp, and you can't vote. You know, and I don't know how many uh, former felons are going to be going out and voting, but it's not zero. Right. <laughs> Uh, it's, so it's a number between zero and 1.4 million. Yeah. Florida's a state one on the margins. Yeah, absolutely. One po- 
if 10% of if 10% of the folks who are now eligible to vote register and vote it is double the amount of every difference yeah for a president in the last you know four elections um, you know and another factor to consider in this is a common destination for people who are refugees effectively from Puerto Rico is Florida. Yeah. A so, common def- destination for refugees of cold states when you're old is Florida. Well, yes. So you got to balance out your your villages your villages with your little village. Right? It's uh villages? The villages? Are they villages? <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who don't know, the Villages is a sprawling retirement community and conservative enclave in Florida. Okay. <laughs> Snowbird Central. That sounded like a Puerto Rico thing. I'm like, really? No, that's more Little Village. You see, okay. that's the Oh, I, that's the I totally did not see what you're doing there. I got it totally backwards in my mind. I'm like, what? Somebody's got it. Somebody who's right. listening has got it. Moving on. So internationally, we've had... You know, some interesting stuff happening, uh, you know, continuation of other things. Um, I think we should, because most of our lives are fear-driven right now, we should start with my friend and yours, COVID-19. COVID-19. So about 75,000 people have been infected so far, 2,000 dead, still tracking around the same kind of death rate. What we do have coming out now that it's been around for a little bit is some actual science about what it's doing and how it's doing it. Um, so s- what they've noticed so far is it spreads more like the flu than the SARS virus, and that's why it's been more contagious mm-hmm. than SARS was. And they're both, both of those are coronaviruses. Um, it is an upper respiratory tract infection instead of like the SARS would be lower respiratory tract, which is why it is spreading more quickly, apparently. Right, because it's closer to your mouth. Right, right, exactly. Um, the biggest issue with it is probably that you can get this from people who have no symptoms whatsoever. Yeah. So people will have the virus, be shedding the virus, uh, but then they don't feel sick. They're not coughing or anything. It's just, you know, a little bit of, you know, whatever they're breathing in and out, I suppose. Uh, so that's a bit of a mess. Uh, <laughs> but uh, right now, the R naught rate, which is how f- quickly it spreads to other people. It's like how many people the average person with it infects. Right. right? So if I have the virus and it's an R1, that means I spread it to EJ. Thanks. If it's a, right. If it's an R2, Sharing I spread it to caring. EJ and, and somebody else at the bar. Right. right now, it's somewhere between 2 and 3.1. I don't know who that tenth of a person is, but... They're screwed. You know, they're screwed. Uh, it also might spread through feces, which is interesting. Gross, but interesting. Uh, and there's no current evidence that it's airborne, but it might be. Uh, so that's what we know from the actual studying of it. Uh, we do have an update on the cruise ships. Yeah, so there was the Westerdam that was like, it was a ship without a port. And then Cambodia is like, coming in, guys. We'll take you. Uh, so they've been there. They were already testing people, you know, clearing some for departure, sort of funneling them off. It's really been hard, I think, for people to know what to do on the ships. You know, so between 
that that Westerdam and there were two Diamond Princess ships where, you know, they're quarantining them. Do we let people off? Is it better to keep them in their cabins? What do we do? Um, I think nobody really knows what to do except right. the Australians who ordered the wine by, by drone. By drone. Yes, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I'm not clear on exactly how this all unfolded with the Westerdam, which is the one that's docked in Cambodia. Some people apparently left the ship and, like, left Cambodia, who ended up testing positive for the coronavirus. Yeah. And so I don't know if they were screened and they somehow got through or they were just let go. Um, 781 passengers apparently at this point have tested and cleared, so they are supposed to be able to depart at this point. Um, so... It doesn't seem like anything has spread from there. Like, the, the limited spread from it has been caught, but we'll see. Uh, yeah, we'll um, see. Uh, the Diamond Princess uh, is the one that's docked in Yokohama, famous for its wine drones. I really need to spend more time in Yokohama, perhaps after the coronavirus has gone yeah, exactly. by. Yeah, uh, exactly. I'm going to recommend not taking that cruise you were always thinking of. Yes. Uh, two of the passengers have died. They were both in their 80s. Uh, 634 have tested positive for the virus, yeah. and half of them have no symptoms. So <laughs> it, that's the thing I find a little alarming about all this is, like, how do you yeah. contain it and have those protocols if you don't know who's got it? If you don't know who's got you it. You don't know who to test. Yeah. And so, like, right now, like, we can say, all right, well, we're going to check people for a fever. Like, that's great if they're symptomatic. If they're not symptomatic. And that comes down to South Korea which apparently had 51 cases and now has 104 cases, and that increase was over a 24-hour period. So that's not comforting. Uh, one of the people who started that was a woman who had recently visited Wuhan and had spread it at church. And they tracked, and she had basically had contact with, like, almost 1,200 people. So that's probably bad. Uh, and they've also had their first death in South Korea. I would like to stop talking about this. <laughs> well, let me let me provide the reasonable uh, review of this. It is like a bad flu in terms of how easily it spreads, sure. in terms of how dangerous it is to you. Um, once again, use your standard precautions. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Don't lick public transit. That should cover you. Um, and, you know, we'll see what happens. Wait, did you say don't lick public transit? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. good. That's, I just wanted that's, to make sure. That's CDC guidelines there. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I wasn't sure. You said don't. Yeah, yeah don't. yes, don't, okay. don't, yes. Uh, sometimes it's it's unclear. Yeah, Un I know you get confused unclear. on this point. And, yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I always, I like to make sure that the surface for my Ventura card is recently cleaned. And so usually I... Right. But I'll, I'll stop yeah, doing yeah, that. Yeah, no. It's yeah, okay. Figure nobody else good, is it's licking a good, that. Yeah, no, it's good precaution. Okay. Except, except with COVID-19. Except now. Except right. now. Okay. Uh, although I'll say the, the Chicago case, the first Chicago case person has been released from prison in there. No. From the hospital. Right. right. Sorry. It's just the their virus was commuted by President Trump and they're home. Yes. Uh, outside of the virusy stuff. <laughs> Uh, I always like to check in on Israel, who's, you know, in the midst of their 
400th election in the last three weeks. <laughs> uh, who hasn't really had a government in eight months. You know, doesn't it feel like we've had 400 elections in the last year? <laughs> exactly. My hair is going to look like Rod Blagojevich's at, right. by November. It's just going to be white, poofy. Hey, I mean, you know. Fantastic. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, they're gearing up for another election in Israel and the interesting things about this, and I, I really find Israeli politics to be quite interesting because, like ours, there are very strong extremes in what people believe, and they have grounding in things that aren't just policy-based. Yeah, and there's a real tension in that they're in a dangerous part of the world, and that sort of fuels a lot of that so yes so our friend bb mr netanyahu who has not been able to put together a government didn't get a majority of votes or even a plurality of votes in the first two elections couldn't do anything um he was trying to get a government together before he was indicted for corruption charges. Uh, he has failed to do that, but he's still allowed to run. So he was indicted. His corruption trial starts in a few weeks. And his main opposition, somebody we've talked about before, Benny Gantz, is like, there's just no way we're going to have Netanyahu in a government. Right. Like, what What are you people thinking? Yeah. Like, and Netanyahu's like, uh, let's annex some more stuff. Let's... Uh, <laughs> do, you, I, do you think you're in Chicago? What, oh yeah. are, you, what are you doing? <laughs> it, it is it is really fascinating to see the tact that he's taking. Um, and again, there's a, a certain amount of, you know, no bleeps given. So uh, we'll see again how it turns out. I'm. I think Israel is a country that doesn't need Netanyahu. As I think, no country needs a president who's under indictment. <laughs> I, I, you know, it's a... Yeah, you know, I think it's a good rule of thumb. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not in a think tank, but I think criminal like presidents on, on average, are a bad you know, idea. Sometimes maybe an indictment wasn't fair, but, like, on average, 95% of the time, not good qualifications for right. leader in government. And, and in Russia now, they're talking about, speaking of criminal presidents, they're talking about granting former presidents permanent immunity from all well from everything that's very convenient it is it is very convenient i, I mean i really although i really can't imagine any recent former presidents in russia being investigated for literally anything no i mean not I unless mean, they were being investigated as a political stunt in which right. case laws don't matter like, anyway i feel like putin's just kind of rubbing it in trump's face like I could have immunity for life. Ha ha ha. <laughs> You've been appeased. Would you like to come here? Neener, neener. Yeah. I mean, that's that's really what it is. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to that day where, like, Netanyahu, Putin, Trump are all living in a dacha, like, outside of <laughs> Moscow. <laughs> Trump complaining about the weather. Right. Right. His lack of McDonald's. I had a much better dacha. Uh, and I, I don't know. Are we at, in, in a war with Iran? I, th I think we should do another uh, status update. Tell me, are we at World War III yet?
World War Three Status Report. You know, we might have missed it. We might have skipped over it okay. like a like a Netflix intro. <laughs> Entirely possible, but I don't think so. I don't think that we are. So we did have a missile attack on the U.S. Embassy uh, a few days ago. Nobody was injured. Presumably we'll find out many, many people yeah, are injured exactly. later because that's how this works. Uh, although I will say the 100 injuries uh, from the rocket attack on our base previously seems to have leveled off. Like, I think we've maxed out on the number of... I think we've heard about it. ...quote-unquote headaches that uh, we'll be getting from that. So... But we are not at We are not at war. Not yet. Give them time. Okay. Give them time. So I think that brings us to the circus, everybody. Oh, the circus. Election Circus 2020. Okay. Last night was fun. You know, I have to say, I've been watching these debates since the very, very early on. Um, I can't say I've enjoyed any of them. <laughs> there are too many people on stage. It was too long. It was kind of dry. This debate was amazing. It was so fun to watch. Uh, it was a reasonable number of people on stage. And the bloodletting started early. <laughs> I mean, so we knew... We knew there were a couple factors coming into this debate. So first of all, it was going to be a smaller, smaller group. Yes. You know, we're going to have we're going to have the top tier plus Bloomberg. Yes, and to qualify, you had to have a certain amount of polling or delegates, um, and so yeah, it was very limited. Uh, for example, Tom Steyer, who had been in previously was not in this time, even though he's doing fairly well in the polling in South Carolina. Right. I, well, and I think they, they changed the rules to include Bloomberg. Yep. You've got to have $60 billion. And exclude Steyer, you have to have more than one tie. Right. Exactly. Um, uh, and there was a lot of griping Or it has to be a solid color, I think, is uh, the other rule there. Um, there was quite a lot of griping about the, about the change of rules yes. to include Bloomberg. And I have to say... I was one of the people who was griping about that. It felt like the DNC, you know, rigging this to get Bloomberg in. Um, no, no. Thank you, DNC. I don't know if you meant it to be like this, but it was glorious. Yeah, I, <laughs> and I was on the other side. Like, I felt Bloomberg, for what it's worth, is playing the game. So he is absolutely... Like, using his money to his advantage. He's spending money in places other people can't. All of those things. And as much as I dislike it, he is a legitimate candidate and should be vetted and compared the same yes. way. And what we found out last night is he's an awful debater. Whew. So one of my favorite moments of the night, and there were many moments where Bloomberg got cut by other candidates, but... Uh, it was the self-inflicted wound talking about how long it would take to get his taxes done. And, you know, he's saying, I started late. They're still not ready yet. Going to take a little while. Like, well, you started late. That was your choice. And you can't get this stuff together. You can spend millions of dollars on all of this stuff. But your accountants 
You can't spend money on that. I, I mean, it was really... I, and, and here was the thing that blew me away. Like, first of all, don't you realize how much like Trump you sound like, yeah, I'm under audit. I can't release my taxes. Right. Uh, second of all, like, didn't you know this was going to come up? And this was a theme with him. Like, if somebody had said to me, what are the five questions that Bloomberg has to answer? I would have said uh, taxes, donations to Republicans, stop and frisk, frisk and stop, or treatment of, you know, treatment of women. Yes. And generally being a billionaire Republican who loves Donald Trump and as recently as 2016 yes. was like he was in favor of the Iraq war. He yeah. called for the reelection of George W. Bush. Not typically what you would ascribe no. to a Democratic presidential candidate. No. But, you know, that's what he's doing. So moving ahead from him, let's talk about Warren. So I I feel I owe Warren an apology because last week I what was my quote? Was it what was it? Circling the drain. Circling the drain. Yes, that's what I was saying. Uh, I thought it was time to stick the fork in her. It turns out that she intended to use that fork to shiv Bloomberg on stage multiple times. And I'll, I'll get into this later on in the conversation, but I feel like she does have a chance. It's still, I think, a little outside chance, but um, she was on fire last uh, night. She totally was. And I really think in that first 30 seconds of the debate, she reached over, and we've gone through, I will tell you, we've gone through many analogies here, depending on your level of geekdom and, and yes, whatnot. Yes. But it was, I mean, she just reached into Bloomberg's soul and just ripped I, I it out. I was going with still beating heart out of his rib cage. Yeah, but we could have gone yes. Temple of Doom style. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, <laughs> I, I was feeling bad for the people cleaning up the stage later, knowing right. that, like, they were going to look Popping in her lectern and, like, <laughs> like, God, what, what is happened this? here? It's a small, uh, rich man's soul that she stuffed in there. It, yes. One of the better quotes... Uh, talking about Bloomberg said, uh, this is Warren saying, Bloomberg can call women fat broads and horse-faced lesbians, and then just when somebody complains, just throw a little money on it, and then put a gag in the woman's mouth. That's not right. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> and like, him saying like, oh, sure there's some NDAs. How many NDAs? A few? How many? You, will you release them from them tonight? <laughs> no. But it was just about jokes. Sure it was. Sure. Sure it was. It's about their privacy. Right. Well, let them make that choice. Release them from it. Oh, Jesus. I, I, I mean, <laughs> he just so seemed good. so ill-prepared. I feel like so ill-prepared. Going into that debate, like somebody tells, tells Warren, we've got good news for you. There's a billionaire guy from Wall Street who's going to be on stage with you. <laughs> she just starts sharpening her knives because <laughs> it reminds me so much of like all the viral videos we saw about going after bankers on Wall Street yeah. and the Senate. And like she's so good at like just picking apart their logic and oh, cross-examination oh. was just and it reminded on, me a lot of on point why I've been a big fan of hers for for so long. So so look, here's the other thing. She raised two point eight million dollars during the debate. Yes. And another 
four million or something since then. How many of those dollars were spent on billionaire tears mugs? Is uh, what I, I want to know. I will tell you, I didn't buy one, but I'm sure a lot. Yes. Uh, so Daniel Biss, uh, who was a state senator here, ran for mayor or governor. Um, he and his wife were doing a donation match during the debate yesterday, and they both maxed out. Yeah. Um, it was stirring, I think. So, look, a debate may mean something, may mean nothing. The Nevada caucuses are running right now, and we'll talk about that. But I think there were a lot of people who were looking for Warren to show some feistiness, and they got that. Oh, in um, spades, yeah. It was, it was, and, and it wasn't, she wasn't just attacking Bloomberg. She was. She was going in all different directions. She, she went everywhere. She was going after everybody on their health care plans. Uh, on she, everything. You know, it's, it was great. It was really great. And she also, what I thought was interesting, so the other big battle was Klobuchar and Pete. So Mean Pete was back. Yes. And, and, and Klobuchar cannot stand Buttigieg. Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, they, they do not like each other. And that is why they're standing next to each other at the debate. You know somebody's like, I don't care where everybody else goes. We're putting them next to right. each other. In the next debate, they're probably like, hey, could we build a box? Could we build like a little <laughs> octagon? <laughs> Just a cage? Right. Just let them go? I, my money's on Klobuchar in that fight. I don't know. Pizza Marine. Uh, although she did say that her blood pressure is lower. And <laughs> stand up with Klobuchar night. It did feel a little bit like Amy was a little. So the two of them are a little different in terms of their styles. Amy was, you know, she's trying to be folksy. She's got her little quips, her little jokes. A lot right. of them fell flat. Um, Pete is the Midwest nice is yeah. what she's trying to go for. Pete is a very good debater in that he has a plan. He has a message. Yep. He is very disciplined. He was the first per like everybody was going after Bloomberg and he instead started going after Bernie. So which was very unique yeah, amongst yeah, that true. group. So, yeah, uh, but he's he's very disciplined. He never seems to get upset. He never seems to get flustered. He is a good speaker, especially if you really like consultants. Um, and I do because I am yeah, one. Exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, consultant, recognized consultant, but yes. it, it, it it makes him difficult to debate against. I think sometimes because he is so on message and he's so disciplined about it. Um, so the the debate between them at one point turned into him saying, "Well, you didn't know the president of Mexico," and she's like, "Well, this isn't Jeopardy." Is it? Of course, Alex Trebek's health care is paid for by the Canadian government. So Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, but that, that interaction moved beyond the policy, moved into the personal. At one point, Klobuchar's like, are you calling me dumb? Yeah. And Pete was like, didn't say anything. Yeah. And that's when, uh, that's when Warren came back over the top to defend Klobuchar. Right. It was really Which is good. a fascinating dynamic. Oh, that, like, man, it was beautiful. For a time, I was thinking that um, Warren was sort of allying herself with Klobuchar in some fashion because he kind of kept, 
you know, talking up Klobuchar, but I feel like it's more of like a, you know, we are a friendly sisterhood and I'm, and I'm going to associate myself with that. But, like, there were a couple moments in here where, like, during the debate where she clearly was not on the same page as oh, Klobuchar. Sure. No, so, absolutely. Well, because, so, and I think this is one of the questions. If you look at everybody in the race, it's a zero-sum game. Where do the votes come from? Right. Are Warren's votes going to come from Bernie? Probably Maybe. not. Some. Maybe some. Could be. But is there a better opportunity to take them from Klo Bidenberg. Well, this is this is the thing that gets interesting here. So, the timing of the debate kind of sucks for Warren because early voting has already been happening in Las Vegas, right? Or excuse me, in Nevada generally, also in Las Vegas. Yes, and Pahrump. Try the veal and the casinos. Um, but uh, and the actual right now. They have about as many people have voted as participated in the caucus in, in its entirety in previous years. So we it's reasonable to expect that there will be more people voting this year yeah. because it because they have an alternative to being in the caucus. And right. you may Although think they do fill out preference cards. Well, so yeah. So this is the thing. So the thing to understand about the Nevada primary and we're I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but it's all ties together or procus. Yes. The, 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 yes. So you do a ranked choice voting if you are voting early, which effectively is the same thing as a caucus, but without the necessity to show up in a gym in a cornfield in Iowa, which I presume is where everybody goes in Nevada as well. Yeah, they actually have perfected teleport trans transportation just to move everybody from Nevada to cornfields. Unfortunately, the teleportation technology was built by Shadow. Oh, yeah, exactly. So they're all going to die. <laughs> But that's that's a totally new thing this year. We have no idea how that's going to affect yeah. turnout. So it could definitely drive up turnout. So we don't know how many later voters there are. What's interesting about this is that when you look at late voters going into New Hampshire, they all went to Buttigieg. And, they, and he also did well amongst voters who thought, I'm looking for somebody just to beat Trump. Last night... Warren looked like somebody who could put a few shivs in Trump. Yeah. So might some of those late deciders switch to Warren? Last part of this. Right now, if you look at the polling in Nevada, Sanders is running away with it at around 27%. Biden's at 15. Uh, Warren is at 11 and a half. Buttigieg is around 11 and a half. So... Remember, anybody who gets less than 15% gets no delegates. Zero. Now, there's the nuances of which districts and all of that, but that's the rough outline of it. So there's a very real possibility that Sanders will get almost all of the delegates in Nevada, depending on what happens with everybody else. Biden seems to be fading, so his polling might yeah. be, his real outcomes may be lower than the polling. If Warren can pick up a few percent and she can clear that 15% threshold, yes. then she could split, you know, like two-thirds, one-third with Sanders. Yeah, and I think she does need to get, she needs to come out of Nevada with some, right. some folks. And if she did do what I'm describing, she would be neck and neck with Buttigieg in terms of overall delegates yeah. at that point. Yeah. And, and polling better in South Carolina. And polling better nationally. 
I mean, and that's the other thing to, to consider, you know, Warren is still polling better than Buttigieg nationally. And, you know, we don't have any polls after yesterday. Yeah. Um, I, but I see very little path for anybody right now to win the nomination or to get the plurality at this point other than Sanders. Right. And let's, let's talk about that a little bit because there was a question that came up that I think is really important. And that was, you know, yes, they, this, yeah, in the debate, yeah, this yes, came up. They asked in the debate, if nobody has a majority, would you support making the nominee the person with the plurality? Yes. And there was literally one candidate on stage who said, yes, they should win. Yes. And that was Sanders. Right. Everybody else is like, there's a process. There Let's follow the process. Follow the process. And I thought about this a bit. Since yeah, that question was asked. This? Fundamentally, the way this works is like ranked choice voting. It's that, I mean, it's done through delegates, but basically I say I vote for this person, you say you vote for that person, and ultimately then those delegates go and they might decide on a second choice or a third choice. Now, it's a little funky in that they don't necessarily follow your opinion and there can be horse trading and all of that, but... It would be weird if 30% of the people voted for Sanders and 70% of the people voted for somebody other than Sanders and we said Sanders is the nominee. So it's a little challenging that way. Um, and so what I'm wondering is, like, when I ta think about, like, what Warren's path might be is if she can be in a position where she isn't necessarily catching up to Sanders, but she's clearly a, a solid second or third, yeah. she's in a good position to argue, look, I'm the best bet you have for keeping this party together when we go face Trump. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because if it comes down to Buttigieg gets the nomination over Sanders, we're screwed. I mean... Let alone again, Bloomberg. All of this is all fear-driven, right? Yes. Uh, and we've had literally two states vote so far, so... Yeah. I, I think that the... the, the harder thing for me is this idea that not that you could go in and there isn't a process, but that the process involves the superdelegates. That's what I'm concerned about. And yeah. Now, what I feel like the, the superdelegates should do one of two things. Either they should back whoever has the plurality yeah. or they should align themselves to their states and the pledge delegates there. Either one of those is at least somewhat consistent. If they're just like, I like this guy and I'm going to support him, uh, it's going to be a disaster. It will be difficult to come out of the convention with a bump yeah. and a... Because, I, I look, and I, I firmly believe that, honestly, everything that happens before the convention doesn't matter for the nominee. Doesn't. I mean, anybody who wants to fight me about that, fine. And I'll just say, please go back and watch 400 hours of footage from 2016. Nothing mattered about yeah. the primaries in 2016 to the general. Yeah. So I'm not worried about anybody saying, like, oh, my God, they're fighting with one another. What's this going to mean come October? Yeah. Nothing. I think it that's nothing. largely overblown. Yeah. But if you get into the convention... And the convention is like, we all hate each other. Yeah. 
and it takes 26 votes. It's like Absolutely. electing a new pope. You know, and, and that's the that's thing is, problem. you know, there was a lot of talk about, you know, oh, Sanders supporters didn't come around and da 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 If you look at, like, talking to people who were delegates to that convention, they all felt like they were being treated like shit by the Clinton campaign. And so the feelings that people have who are very connected to those campaigns coming out of that convention can make a big difference on things. It can. And so, like, could there be a compromise where Sanders is on board with Warren, you know, or something like that? Or I don't know what kind of shenanigans would go on there. Maybe it's like, well, Buttigieg gets to be Bernie Sanders VP. As long as there is ultimately a feeling amongst those people that they have achieved what they intended to achieve and they feel good about their position, that can be communicated down and that can smooth a lot of pain points over. Some people are just going to say, my my person or no person, and there's nothing we can do about that. But that's kind of baked into the cake anyhow. It's true. It's true. I will, so, tell, I will say that several Warren people that I know were mad about that question because they didn't want to have to answer it. Oh, yeah. It's like, no, we should answer this. Yeah. And it worked the process, man. Yeah. Work the process. Yeah. If and we it, do it well, like if we're really a party who says they can work with one another, then that shouldn't be the end of the world. Are we a party that really says that? No. Okay. Just checking. Anyway. <laughs> I thought we were a big tent with people full of knives. <laughs> big knife party tent. Yes. Dot com. It's not a good business. Hey, big knife party. Was it knife party? It's just, it's just knife party. Rate us on iTunes. Yeah. So. Or Apple Podcasts always. or whatever it's called now. Always. Um, I. I want to talk about one thing that's come out today, and it's it's really interesting um, because it goes to that money don't buy me love thing. Because it clearly does, right? So we had heard before when Bloomberg was trying to get on the ballot, he was paying between nine and fifteen dollars a signature. Yes. In Illinois. Which is insane. <laughs> Which is insane. Um, and he's I paying co- field organizers like double what the yeah, typical rate is for dollars a year. He's apparently now paying people on social media 2500 bucks a month to talk him up. Like, he's just spending money everywhere. Yeah. And I'll tell you that that makes me, you know, I, I know some people in my social media feeds, you know, MySpace and... Well, it's just MySpace at this point. But right, there yes. that are our big Bloomberg people and I'm like, "Really?" And now I'm like, "Huh. I've been seeing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been seeing that too." And what I see is from the people who are talking up Bloomberg, they're all basically floating the notion that he's going to be good at taking on Trump. I point to last night's debate as evidence that that is not right. No. Now, granted, did the debates matter in 2016? Clearly not. But Bloomberg reads as a meek version of Trump. Like, like, like if you took Trump and removed all of his bombast and made him just slightly annoyed with everybody, that's how he reads yeah. to me. So, yeah. yeah, and his closing yesterday, and I, I've got to say that, you know, outside of him having his entrails removed <laughs> and placed on stage in front of him, it's hard Elizabeth to give Warren. a proper ending when your entrails are lying on the it's stage. It's true. It's true. Mel Gibson did it. Right. But he 
talked to his closing was I think really indicative of where maybe we think we are because it was really without passion it was as if Look, uh, if you really want to get rid of this guy, elect me or nominate me, and I'll probably get rid of him, and that'll be great. And, you yeah. know, things will be better. But but it wasn't, you know, when you compare that to everybody else who, who see Donald Trump and what's happening as an existential threat to the country and to their futures and, you know, so many things, and maybe it's overblown. I, you know, I, I'm not saying that, all of the predictions of doom and gloom are right, but there's nobody out there saying it'd be nice if we beat Donald Trump. <laughs> and there are plenty yeah. of people who it doesn't matter to their lives at all. And it was clear, just abundantly clear, that for Bloomberg, it doesn't matter right at all. If if he's not elected president, it doesn't matter. His life is not going to change he's got, one yeah, he's bit. Got, it's, you know, the, it, he's spending the coins that he found in his golden couch. Right. And so there's so when you come at something that way, if you're like, look, it's, it's not really that big a deal because it's not going to be a big deal for me, it's hard for anybody to get excited. It's hard for people to believe that you're going to fight for them. Yeah. Um, and it is, I think, the perfect depiction of the disinterested, the person who doesn't have any anxiety about it for yeah, real. Th- it's, it's, it's not a, a true investment if there isn't downside risk to you. Right. If he spends, if he can spend a billion, two billion, three billion dollars tomorrow, tomorrow, it, it won't. It, it won't have any effect on him personally. Like to give you a sense of this, I went and looked at the math of like what's the median wealth of the country and how much would this mean to the median person, which I assume is somebody standing literally in a median. But the cost to them would be fifteen hundred dollars versus one billion to him. So. Think about what it would cost to you, and we all have different means and all of that. But like. $1,500, like, what is that sacrifice to you? Like, is that a, yeah, let me think about this. Let me chew on this a little bit. Like, month and a half of health care for the average right. person. We know, we know from studies that, you know, the average person can't afford a cost over, you know, it was, I think it was like $800, yeah. something like that. So double that. Like, that's what we're talking about to win the presidency, potentially. Like, it's insane. Yawn. Yeah. Yawn. And uh, look, I one of the things that I worry about sometimes, and it, it was, it all flowed together as I was thinking about this. Like, I know that I make fun of things around this, partially for entertainment for others, partially to ther- for therapeutic purposes. Therapeutic purposes, <laughs> but I also would absolutely own if somebody said to me you can only make a joke about it because it probably won't be the end of your world regardless yeah and And it is true yeah and i never want somebody to hear me talking about things and making jokes about them and don't think that i don't care a great deal yeah um 
acknowledge own privilege in those things. Um, but well, and I think one of the characteristics I think of people who are more more liberal, progressive is having empathy, and even if something does not affect you personally, that you can project how that affects other people and that you want to change things, you want to prevent bad things from happening because you can see how the pain that causes somebody else would feel to you. Right. So what we did not get at all from Mayor Bloomberg was that. empathy, <laughs> which is a perfect closing for that. Yes. Also the mark of a sociopath. Yes. As if he says piling on. Hashtag pile on. Yes. Hashtag uh, okay, As Bloomer. you can tell, we are not receiving $2,500 a month from no. the Bloomberg campaign to endorse him. Not yet, but, but if we you could. rate us on <laughs> iTunes enough, we might 2,500 times a month. Right. So let's talk about beer. Let's talk about beer. I, so I mean, I, we, we are at the District Brew Yards. Uh, I we've love been this here place. before. This place is amazing. Uh, the way it works is there are one, two, three, four breweries here. They all have taps. When you come in, you give them a credit card. They give you a little tap card. It's a magic. It's like the golden ticket. Yeah. Right? You, you tap a tap, and now the tap is open. You pour beer in a glass. You can pour in an ounce. You can pour in 10 ounces. You can pour in 16 ounces. Whatever you want. So you can taste things, see what you like. Uh, charges you by the ounce. Charges you by the ounce. Shows you right up each, there. Each beer has different prices per ounce. Yeah. So, you know, the higher octane beers are obviously going to cost you a little more. Fine. Um, I've been tipping myself after every pour. Right. So I'm going to break even tonight. I there think. you go. Um, I walked in here, and as we were settling down, I'm like, well, what beer do I want to have? And I'm like, I went up and tried this nice Imperial Stout. And had an ounce of that. I'm like, nah, it's not quite what I'm looking for. And then tried another Imperial Stout. Nah, it's not quite what I'm looking for. And by the time I'm done, I've had, you know, five or six ounces of very strong beer right. before we even started recording. So and now he's looking for nothing. But what I did settle on, uh, the first beer I had was the Burnt City Next Big Thing Brown Ale, which was quite lovely. And I'm now drinking the Around the Bend Dark Star, which is a, an Imperial Stout. Although it's not like high-end Imperial Stout. It's like 8%. Uh, uh, Mid-level. With orange in it. And it's, it's really uh. good. Kind of reminds me of like one of those, like, you know, those chocolate orange things you get. Those, yeah, the, the things holidays. they only sell... You know, in Christmas time. Yes. So I, I love this thing. So first of all, the beers that are here, the breweries, Around the Bend, Burnt City, Bulldog, and Casa Humide. Uh, sure. Which is a new from the last time we were here. Um, I've had a few. Uh, the Face Melter Hibiscus IPA from Burnt City, uh, which is, you know, I was looking for things lower on the scale. Um, you know what? It was just really good. It was clean. It was fresh. Yeah. Um, I One of the things I really love about this is that I, I actually had that, and then I wanted to clear the palate, and so I had a Goza by Bulldog. How was we, that? It was really good. Again, it was a Goza. Okay. It, was a little, it was a little sour, but good to clear it out. Yeah. Um, and then I was I, thinking about that one, so I, I might, I, I might go for that next. I, I may have it again. I may have it again. Three ounces, This is where we ounces. both discovered we loved Vera. Which uh, they have on tap. Yeah, that's a pistachio. pistachio cream ale, which which sounds very strange, but is fantastic. Yeah. So then I had the uh, neblina from Casa Humilde. I again never had it before. It's a pale ale 
like a juicy pale ale, I, super good. Yeah. Like super good. And just like being able to pour your own beer. And some people will say, look, man, if I'm going someplace, I'm not paying me to serve me. But, you know, man. You're, you're wrong. As you're a, just wrong. This is a, a power to the people, man. I, I control the means of beer duction. Sure. Sure you do. <laughs> the taps are at my command. I, I, you know, when we were here before, it was kind of random, and we ran into this place on our beer Yeah, we crawl. kind of wandered into it. Yes. This time it was intentional. So glad we're here. They've got barbecue in the back. Really good pretzels. Yes. Uh, we're probably going to get some barbecue. It's on Ashland and something. Yeah, it's kind of like near Pretty Lake. It's south, a little like north of like Cobra Lounge yeah. where we, we recorded not that long ago. Uh, but yeah, yeah, definitely check it out. Uh, good place. They've got board games here. You know, good place to just like hang out and yeah. have a nice and, evening uh, with friends. Double and points on Sundays. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means either. It's in the bathroom. So Okay, great. All right. That's All right. beer. That is beer. So we aren't going to have a separate local podcast. We haven't done this in a, in a few uh, episodes. Uh, our plan is probably next week we're going to do a large local yeah. episode talking about what's going on with the primaries. You know, maybe talk about judges and, and uh, other positions. Well, we're going to well. have lots of things open, right? So the primaries right. are going to see lots of judgeships. Uh, you're going to see committeemen. For the Democratic Party, yep. that's a big deal. Obviously, you'll see the presidential stuff. You'll see uh, representatives both at the state and f- and federal level. Yeah, so but we'll try to focus on the things that you're not hearing about yeah. in the news quite as up as much, so. and, and really try to dig into them. I, you know, I think it's important as we come up to March 17th. Again, who scheduled that for St. Patrick's Day? <laughs> uh, that you know that we take the time to think about those races and talk about them. Again, you know, when you think about who is the elected official that you're most likely to interact with first? It's actually a judge. And nobody seems to pay attention to them. So, uh, again, well, well, most well, people just try to avoid interacting with judges. Uh, but we yes. So where's your sense of adventure? So we we're going to do that. Um, but we couldn't not talk about some stuff at the city level and the state level kind of yes right now uh at the city level i actually want to start with the climate emergency so the city council unanimously voted to declare a climate emergency yes and we talked about this previously but yes they've actually passed it um i think it's worth calling out that the city of chicago has actually had a pretty good track record about recognizing environmental threats to our city and 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 addressing those. I mean, and it goes all the way back. So, you know, the changing of the direction of the Chicago River because of pollution in the river causing people to die of various waterborne Dysentery. diseases. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, we have more recently Deep Tunnel, where they are drilling giant holes in the ground to store excess rainwater so that when there is flooding, that it will all go into those holes rather than Albany being Park. pumped out into the lake and flooding our neighborhoods. Right. Um, and so, 
you know, this is just sort of another aspect yeah. of that is let's recognize climate change is a problem. It is affecting us now. We've seen this in some of the destruction along the lake shore uh, during uh, some storms recently, um, you know, and we can expect that to continue off and on through the coming decades. Yeah, forever. Yes. And that's why your election for water reclamation district is important. Right. Which sounds boring. And it's fairly nerdy stuff, but it's, it is Cam actually Davis, really man. important. Cam yep. Davis. Yes. Water Reclamation Day. So we'll talk about that. We will. Uh, but that's an important step. And, I, you know, again, glad to see people do it. Your alderman, Matt Martin, kind of spearheaded that. Yes. Um, good, good stuff. So now we get oh, to talk about the fun stuff. What? That reminds me of something I wanted to connect. Um, this is very inside baseball in terms of politics, but I want to talk about this briefly. Bloomberg reminded me of... An aldermanic debate from many, many years ago. Brief history of this. Uh, Amea Pawar and oh, that one. a couple other people were running for alderman. What had happened was the previous alderman... Peaced out. Peaced out and timed it in such a way that it was very hard for anybody who had any sort of political clout to jump into that race. And his intention was to hand it off to his designated follower guy whose name I cannot remember for the life of right. me. And I remember this debate that was that guy and three men who were all in their, like, mid to late 20s, basically. Nobody you'd ever heard of, varying degrees of, you know, political knowledge or whatever. And Pawar was one of those young men who ended up actually winning that race. The guy who was the anointed guy who was supposed to take that position phoned that debate in so badly. It was like reading off a sheet of paper. And... Last night, watching Bloomberg reminded me of that so much. Yeah. <laughs> so hopefully he has really about as much luck as that guy whose name I cannot remember. Well, and, and maybe just some foreshadowing here. My recollection is that gentleman did not show up for any other debates. That is correct. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And in fairness, Ameo Pawar was pretty good in that debate. He was. He's very smart on the policy stuff. He also now owns a weed restaurant. Anyway, uh, that aside. But, but actually, we could tie this in because in the last aldermanic election in my ward, there was one debate where everybody showed up. Yeah. And then the next debate, the incumbent and one of the challengers just said, actually, we got crushed in the first debate, so we're not going to show up anymore. <laughs> uh, and that ward is home to Rod Blagojevich. Yes. So we talked about Rod a little bit before. I, I, I have to come back to this. I, you know, I live less than a mile from, yes. from Rod Blagojevich's house there in Ravenswood Manor. I have trick-or-treated. I've met Patty. It's worth noting, like, what a weird feature of our neighborhood this is. Like, I remember distinctly... I was jogging in it's my neighborhood. It was like, and I want to say it was like Christmas Day. Like, I'm like, I'm just like, I'm out for a jog. It was like a weirdly nice day. Back when I jogged, I don't do that anymore. But, uh, and I'm going over a bridge and coming the other way is some guy. And as I'm passing him, I realize, that's eh, Rob Blagojevich. Yeah. And hair. multiple times I've seen him just he give you the jogging guns. around the neighborhood. Presumably, he will be jogging around the neighborhood oh, again. Yeah. I've seen him running. Uh, my wife has seen him running. You've seen him running. Yes. He does. He gives people the finger guns. Oh, yeah. Um, and he'll run right through the middle of intersections. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Why not? He's the mayor, governor, whatever he is. I'm everything. The, so Trump one of the things that was interesting. So <laughs> as soon 
as soon as that was announced, helicopters flying over his house, people tracking down, trying to track down Patty, who was on Fox News five different times. And if you haven't listened to the podcast Public Official A from WBEZ, listen to it. It is fantastic. It covers the whole saga. Uh, and Rod Blagojevich's sister-in-law, Deb Mel, who was my alderman before this last election. So you had this like, and there's, and, and I got to say, I feel bad for Deb, who lost the election, probably didn't ever want the job, really. Her dad was the alderman for a long time. I, there is a story that I heard this week that I, from reliable sources that Rod Blagojevich was, you know, he was an attorney who went to Pepperdine University, bragged about passing with C's. Um, <laughs> though if I'm going to go to law school, Pepperdine's a damn nice place to go. Right. Uh, went to state's attorney's office, was working there, and the day that he got engaged to Patty Blagojevich, walked into work and said, I'm marrying a political princess. I quit. <laughs> Peace out. And walked out. <laughs> Never to return. That's hilarious. So F, F, that fits. It so fits. Uh, so he's back home. He's the same as he always was. Um, I, I'm wondering how crazy it's going to be around my house. I mean, there's still, I still see, there's still news trucks out. There were people out today. Um, I run through that neighborhood all the time. Um, I'm, I'm really, I'm really fascinated to see what's going to happen. Um, I believe his sentence was commuted, so he can't run for office again. But I think he wants to. He's going to try to find a way. He's going to be like, well, let's see. Like he's done reality shows in the past. Like, will he be on Dancing with the Stars? I mean, like, that feels up his alley. I don't know. It's yeah. Or his band is going to tour. I had an Elvis, uh, an Elvis cover band in of prison. Of course he did. Yeah. Maybe he's going to give prison uh, yes. grooming tips to, what do you think? Think he can give some prison grooming tips to our friend Roger Stone? He could. You know, maybe do like some grooming tips in exchange for uh, recommendations on good tattoo artists. Yeah, for sure. There you go. For sure. Uh, so, yeah. So, that's uh, our former state Corruption yeah. issue, and well, now. Wait, wait, wait. Sorry, I just want to okay. mention two other things. About okay, that. one is that every Republican representative from Illinois was like, "No, don't do that, don't do that," because they're still ha- they still have ads that are like, "The Bogoyevich Democrats yeah. are corrupt and terrible. Look at their corruption. Nobody would ever forgive that except yeah. the president. Shit. Why well, do you remember like back when this first was floated as a thing that might happen like many, many, many months ago that wasn't it Kushner who was like, Democrats will love you if you pardon Blagojevich. No. <laughs> no. No. Nobody, Blagojevich nobody wanted to pardon like, other than Blagojevich. He's like, Trump's a great and guy. probably his wife. I'm a Trumpocrat. That's yeah. what he called himself. Trumpocrat. Trumpocrat. It's a hair thing. Jesus Christ. It's a hair thing. I, I, I keep waiting for Guinan. This is a Star Trek Next Generation <laughs> reference, everybody. Uh, I for Guinan to come out. For card reference. Well, she's now on The View, so I feel like on The View that Guinan should just come forward and tell us that we're all on the wrong timeline. <laughs> no. 
It's not happening. No. Megan McCain's in that timeline. I don't want to. <laughs> uh, broader in Illinois. Yes. Uh, past corruption, moving on to current corruption. Yes. So we've talked a lot about, like, it, it's like these little rumbles, right, out in the distance about Madigan and some things. And, like, so many little things have gone on uh, with the people around him. Uh, we know we've, we've talked a little bit about the, uh, the sort of rape allegations uh, from one of his confidants, uh, the sexual harassment uh, allegations. Um, there was talk about some bribery and other things having to do with ComEd, and the ComEd stuff seems to have broadened out. So in the last week... There were some federal subpoenas handed out for records that include all of the communications with Mike Madigan about this guy, Ray Nice. Nice. Uh, And Marionette Park, right? So, you know, suffice to say, it's a tangled web of bribes and kickbacks and, you know, all of those kinds of things, as you would expect. But what's really interesting is the people who are listed in this subpoena. It's Madigan. It's Michael McLean, who was a a longtime political advisor. It's Timothy Mapes, who was the guy who was let go because of sexual harassment. It's Kevin Quinn and his brother, Marty Quinn. So Kevin Quinn was fired for corruption. Marty Quinn is an alderman. Like, it's all coming together. It's like, whew. Yep. And Madigan, like, if he's not worried, I don't know how he's not worried. Yeah. I mean, this is all of the Well, they probably have don't have him on tape saying it's golden, so. It is, it is really, uh, like, again, we don't have any other details, right? Like, each one of these things is like, oh, my God, they're getting closer. And, and I don't know what I want to happen. Yes, I do. I don't know what I want to happen. Uh, of course, like this is the same week that University of Illinois Chicago released a report that said Chicago is the most corrupt city in American history, and it was totally flawed. The logic yeah, was flawed. Yeah. I do want to get a bunch of people together and drink and talk about that, but that's not for today. Um, so you know, I don't want reputation-wise, yeah, <laughs> that that to be part of this. But also, I would love for Madigan to go away. Oh yeah. Yeah, Madigan's one of those people who he's not going to go away through the electoral process. Like, I just don't see how that's going to happen. He'll leave his office feet first is what I've heard. Yeah, and and most of the people who are into uh, politics, Democrats, do not like Madigan. And and it's this weird balance because you have to be in his good graces because he controls a lot of the power in Illinois. And so a lot of people have to sort of pay fealty to him. You'll see this come up where people will be asked, will you vote to support him as speaker? Well, it's hard to say yes. And I don't want to be on hard record to say no. saying either one. Right. That's really it's what like, it is. Yeah, because you know you're going to have to, but you don't want to. And so having him leave that position, I think, would be a major improvement. But Do you think there's any kind of Trump parallel there? How so? Well, just in that idea that if I want to get elected or reelected, I don't want to come out against the speaker. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I see that. Who will gladly 
try. Although it's, yeah, the dynamics are a little different, but yeah, yeah. It'll definitely, it's, it's it'll definitely there's try a certain to untouchable primary quality. people and yeah. yeah, and also he doesn't have term limits, so that's true. Which that's I'm true. against term limits for his position theoretically, but well, nobody's perfect. He makes me wonder. Uh, yeah, so I mean that's it for this week. I yeah. think we're. Wrapping it up, I think there's going to be more news on this. We're certainly going to have new, more election news. Uh, like yeah, I we'll, said, do, we'll do our research week. this week, try to bring you back some useful uh, information about the election, get you ready for that. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm going to say this just to kind of close off this week. It's supposed to be a nice weekend this weekend. If you like a candidate at all, go knock some doors this weekend. It's going to be 40, 42. Wear shorts. If that's not warm enough for you, consider text banking. Yeah. Or moving to a or go to the state. beach in text bank, you know, because it's forty two, so lake is perfectly warm. <laughs> exactly. <sighs> Stay strong, everybody. Take care. Enjoy. We'll see you next time. All right. <laughs>